Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for us. From the ultimate girl bomb grip to the professional grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girl Bomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at Walgreens. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. This podcast is part of the 76ers Podcast Network. Search 76ers Insiders wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Murphy, can you hear me? I can. It sounds crystal clear. Wow. I'm so sorry, everybody. I'm glad that this is like our sort of Twitter spaces family. I feel that this is a very safe space for me to have Wi-Fi issues, call the front desk, have them help me, have them figure it out. I was on the wrong access code. We got here in the middle of the night. I'm really sorry, everybody. You if did this all proves of that. anything, though. You did all of that yes. in that time? Wow. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I left the space. I called the front desk. The woman was lovely. And we figured it out. So I'm sorry, everybody. I'm really excited to get into some of these questions. And I enjoyed listening to Matt give the Charlotte Hornets update, which is a very relevant one. And of course, you never root for anything like this to happen to any team. But if anyone can understand what it's like, it's the 76ers who had a similar situation just a couple weeks ago. I felt like I was filling time while they put up a new net like they did in Boston. What was that yep, like? You, what well, was you that did a great like? job. What was that like in person <laughs> when they had to fix the net in Boston, not only once, but twice? And it took a long time. <laughs> it was so, so weird. And I asked a few of the players about it post game and they had no idea what was going on. They I, at some point, I assume a player or a coach, it probably was was on the Boston side because the Sixers didn't know what was going on. Um, had expressed that there was something wrong with the net. So they took the whole thing off. They put it back on. It's sort of like me getting on and off of Wi-Fi. It's literally the exact same thing. Um, They took the whole thing off. They put it back on. They started playing. They took it off again. They put it on again. I have no idea. I'm sorry. It's not a good explanation. I have no idea exactly what was going on there, but it was different. It was interesting. Never a dull day in the NBA. I thought Allah on the NBC Sports Philadelphia broadcast had a very funny comment and Who knows what the situation was with the staff, but when they had multiple people going up there on the ladder, at one point he said, I don't, that that person doesn't look like they've ever worked on that net before (laughs) because they didn't look super, (laughs) they didn't look super confident, but there was multiple people helping the cause and it was a much longer delay than anyone expected. And then in the background of one of the shots, 
Grant Williams had both hands raised in the air in celebration when it was finally put back up. But again, the Sixers coming off this win over the Hawks, send us your questions. What do you want us to talk about? What questions do you have coming off? What was a great win for the Sixers against the Hawks? Both teams are now 12 and 11 in the Eastern Conference. You can message either Lauren or myself. You can reply to the Sixers tweet and we'll get through as many as we can in our Twitter spaces here. Lauren, I don't know if you have one that you want to kick us off with. I do. I have a couple, but I feel like this is the part of the space where I sort of speak directly to everybody in here. If you're in here, if you're participating in this space, I'm going to go ahead and make it mandatory for you to click on my little icon and send me a message with a question, a comment, a piece of feedback, because it's more fun when we hear from more of you. And I know that there haven't been as many things to necessarily ask about or celebrate lately, but we want to do it when we can. So give me your feedback. Joel Embiid, the bench against Boston, the fight in the fourth quarter last night. Okay, now people are starting to send some thank you. Thank you. If you're thinking about doing it, go and do it. I have a question from Gabe. And it's one that we've answered before, Matt, but what is George Niang's impact on this team? And it's a really good question, and I want to answer it a little bit differently than we have in the past. Um, We obviously see what he's able to do on the court. Really good to see some of his shots fall last night. We've had a couple shooters on the 76ers who are traditionally really strong shooters struggle a little bit from deep and overcome those struggles, starting to get out of those funks, as we saw last night with Niang as he stepped into the starting lineup. He was three for five from three, five for eight from the field, 13 points, four rebounds, three assists, two steals. But to me, George Niang's biggest impact is off the floor. The way the person that he is for his teammates, the person that he is in the huddle, the person that he is in the locker room, he brings intensity Matt we've talked about it a lot the way that he celebrates a win I've, I've never really seen anything quite like it whether the win <laughs> is is a playoff win when he was in Utah or a regular season early season win over the Detroit Pistons this season as a sixer he brings a level of energy that this team hasn't really seen from one of its players in recent years it's it's really special but he also backs it up with hard work um, with conversations with his teammates he really does have this sort of glue personality that that a lot of teams talk about having and appreciating and now the Sixers are starting to really appreciate and feel that from George Niang I love that George Niang is the first topic of the first question because there's a lot I want to get to there's a few different things Um, one of them is that it doesn't seem like it's an it just seems natural for him it's not as if he came in the NBA and he was this highly touted NBA prospect, and that's not a slight to George. It's more so the path that he took, and we talked about it a few spaces ago through the G League, like so many other NBA players and a few of the other Sixers, including Seth Curry, but it wasn't this given thing that he would come in and be an emotional leader on an NBA team or that he would even play an important role. I mean, he really had to work for this, which makes it more impressive to me that in his first year with the Sixers, He played his 250th NBA game the other night. It's kind of a random number, but it's not like my point is he didn't just come in and take on a huge role right away. He has grinded through the early stages of his career and and learned a lot that he has seemingly brought to Philadelphia, which comes out with his emotion on the court, his leadership on and off the court in his press conferences, 
in his social media posts, which is which is another place I wanted to go. What is the deal with the I know the go weekend go, but now he puts out like like mini mixtapes, like hype videos for the weekend. Yeah, like every (laughs) each of the last few weeks. And is the caption go weekend go? Is that just he's taking that on and he's going to put out one one a week? I think the weekend and George Niang's brands have become synonymous. The weekend, the time of the week, not the weekend, the artist. But yeah, they've become one one in the same. Um, he loves to have fun, but he's super intense out on the court. Um, he's just been such a welcome addition. And I think the fact that every time we do a Twitter space, people are asking about George Niang, regardless of sort of what how large his role has been on any given night. I think speaks volumes to George Niang. And if you're in here and you like George Niang, you're going to be very happy with some content that we have coming down the pike. That's all I'll say for now. Wait, Maybe I, we'll was, get deeper I wanted into that. more. I wanted more on that front. There's nothing else you can give on that front. George Niang was a podcaster in Utah. He had a podcast when he was with the jazz. I guess that's my tease wow. is that he, he was and remains a podcaster. Um, and George and I have had a lot of fun over these last couple road trips, um, starting to accumulate some content for you guys that we're hoping to jo- to drop in the next few days. So be on the lookout. I promise this is going to be a good one. It's something I've been with the Sixers three years now, and this is probably the project I've been most excited about. So I think people are going to really, really like it. How's that? That was great. That was well done. Okay. There's my tease about George Niang and content. Anyway, um, I wanted to read, speaking of George, a couple of his quotes from last night because he is also a wonderful soundbite, as are many of his teammates. But I liked particularly what he said about Joel Embiid reflecting on how important Joel was to the victory down the stretch. George said, and, and the question I asked him was about being George, being Joel's teammate for the first time. And, and his answer was that Joel is intense. You can just see it in his eyes. He wants to win so bad. He demands greatness out of all of us, and he demands greatness out of himself. I think that's very high praise. I think that's totally aligned with everything that we've seen from Joel Embiid over the last few years, but cool to see George Niang, a new teammate of Joel's. They haven't shared the floor together a ton due to the time that Joel had to spend away due to health and safety protocols. The respect is very, very much there. Joel had a quote about George immediately prior to his time away from the court, Joel's time away, um, about how, how much George has sort of supported surprised him and exceeded his expectations. And he said he loves George, which from Joel is a huge compliment. So cool to see the mutual respect flowing between those two. Absolutely. And speaking, going from Niang to Embiid, BLSG this morning asked us, do you guys think that Joel Embiid is starting to get back to his normal self with the way he played last night? As a reminder of what his stats were, 28 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, 10 of 23 from the field, 7 of 8 at the line, 1 of 3 from 3. I think that question is interesting because no one really knows on a case-by-case basis coming off COVID and coming out of the health and safety protocols how long it's going to take certain players. And we say it often, it's a long NBA season, but for Joel Embiid and his four games back, to come out with the Timberwolves. Hopefully, I didn't overcalculate there, and it's three. But um, the Minnesota no, four is correct. Four the, is correct. Great. The Minnesota game to come out and play forty-five minutes and put up a forty-point double-double, and then sure, he played less minutes and his shooting was off, and then he comes back out last night 
with another double-double. I know he had some in the previous games as well, but another big double-double with 28 and 12, made 10 field goals, didn't get to the line maybe as much as we're used to seeing Joel Embiid get to the line, but 7 of 8, still pretty respectable. The short answer is yes, I think he's starting to get back to his, quote, normal self, but Doc Rivers says it all the time, and it's a weird thing that is going on in the sense that the last couple seasons where everyone is different and getting your wind back and all of that. No one really knows the exact timeline. And I think that's the case with Joel. So when he come when he comes out and gives you big performances like Minnesota and like Atlanta, that's nothing but encouraging because this team obviously needs him. But I think starting to get back is something that I would say yes to. And, and for me, it's a willingness as well to give him some time to get back. 21 days away from the court, three full weeks away from the court. Really, really tough to do, especially considering how well the team was humming ahead of Joel's absence. So good to see that he is shaking off the rest, that he's doing a good job. Worth noting that the only two losses the team has taken since his return have been extremely narrow. And the Sixers had a chance to win both of those up until the final buzzer. So Joel certainly rounding back into form. Last night, he looked like his old self, but he also was acting like his old self. We saw his celebration at the end. We heard him during media really, really sounding like the Joel Embiid that we all know and love, which I think is a welcome sight for, of course, for Joel himself. Um, but for his teammates, for Sixers fans, really great to have him back. I, I loved one of Joel's quotes from post game about the team as a whole, not necessarily about their effort last night in the win over the Hawks. Joel said, we play hard. We have each other's backs. We have a bunch of guys that care about winning. We play hard every single night. We're right there. And that, of course, is addressing the fact that he feels that the team does have some some growth to continue developing, but he feels that they're right there in terms of starting to start some sort of win streak to get back in the win column more regularly. And I found that to be really heartening. I want to go into a couple DMs quickly. Um so here's one that's interesting from Lenny that I'd actually like to address. Hi, Lauren. What's your take on the Sixers struggling with Tobias and Joel in the lineup together? Um, I think that there I saw some tweets about this last night. I think that that's a little bit overblown. Um, that's my opinion, of course. Um, I think that those two, I, I think immediately back to training camp and the way that they spoke about the relationship that they've developed. Joel and Tobias really respect one another. It's a respect that flows both ways. And I think looking at what's happened this season now, they haven't been able to play together as much as they wanted to. They played more together during that training camp, during preseason, in the first few games of the season when, by the way, the team started out extremely strong. So I feel that, that with the Joel-Tobias pair, the respect level is there. They're both obviously so maniacal about the way they prepare for games, about the way that they want to win, want to be best for each other and for their teammates. They have a similar mindset and they respect one another. And to me, that's all that matters when you are teammates. They both have also expressed, another key, expressed areas in which they want to grow as the season goes along. So for me personally, I don't worry about that pairing at all just because I know how much they care about figuring stuff out together and helping their teammates as they continue to progress. Um, so for me, that's that's not much of a concern. And, and I believe that in the next few weeks, as both guys return to health, Tobias, of course, missed last night's game with a non-COVID illness. And, and let's just give Tobias a moment for a second. This is someone who was dealing with a hip 
a minor hip injury just a week or so ago. And before that, he was out due to health and safety protocols. So Tobias Harris can't really catch a break right now. Um, And to me, it's all about making sure that he can get back and healthy. There's no way that he enjoys what's been going on. Doc Rivers talked about it pregame last night. He said that you just got to sit tight and things will start to click and your body will start to work properly, as was the case with Joel. Um, So, of course, wish the best for Tobias to continue um, getting better and rounding back into form. But in terms of the pairing, I I don't worry about it because they don't worry about each other. They respect each other. They enjoy playing with each other. For all of those reasons, I would point to the any larger, any sort of larger sample size of seasons past and, and that partnership. I mean, we're not that far into this season overall, and we're really not that far into when they've both been at full go and, and their teammates around them as well. But no Tobias Harris last night was an important storyline heading into the game, and the Sixers get it done on the road against the Hawks, picking up a two-point win, which culminated with Joel Embiid reacting very in a very fun way. He was pumped. Shout out to Nick McCain from our team, who not only got the pregame content with Joel in layup lines, an awesome photo in Atlanta, but also the jump fist fist pump reaction after the game, on which is available on the, the At Sixers Twitter account. So shout out to Nick. That was really cool. But when I bring up the Joel reaction again, Lauren, you said earlier that the whole team, I think you might have tweeted it actually, that the how good the vibes were after the after the win. What else did you see mm. other other than Joel's reaction? What else did you see from maybe some other players or as they headed off the court in Atlanta? What was it like? Yeah, so what I saw last night, I saw in context of what happened in Boston. They were not happy with how they played in Boston. And Joel alluded to it, George alluded to it, Seth alluded to it when they spoke post-game last night. They were really unhappy with how they played throughout the game and even less happy with how it ended. Um, You never want to fall by one on the road in a rivalry game that you could have won when you're finally back to mostly full health. They were really upset about taking that loss. And, And over the last couple of weeks, they've taken a lot of narrow defeats where they could have found themselves back in in the top of the Eastern Conference had they not had some minor mistakes here and there. So the team has been frustrated with the way that it has been playing. So to see them come back after sort of playing catch up throughout the entirety of the game last night and really take control in the last few minutes when it mattered most and see the way that that effort late in the fourth quarter was able to come up absolutely huge and, and they were able to do exactly what they wanted to. I think there was just a a huge amount of relief and excitement. Uh, Just all I saw was a group that's been working really hard to get a good win for a long time and was able to do it in pretty dramatic fashion. So I think it's one thing to celebrate a win. It's another thing entirely to celebrate a win on the heels of a loss like the one in Boston. And so what I saw was excitement, was relief, was belief in themselves that they can continue racking up that type of victory. Another question I got is about a different player. It's about Seth Curry from Drew. So thanks for the question. What do you think is the biggest part of Seth's growth this season? Seth Curry has been a a steady presence in this Sixers lineup. It seems like every night he's either at 20 points or just below. He's averaging 16 points per game. So maybe that's ambitious to say, but still 16 points per game for Seth Curry He's shooting it incredibly well 
this season. And the question from Drew is, where do you think the biggest part of Seth's growth is this season? I would have to double check the stats on his percentage on twos, but I'm fascinated by how teams defend him on the perimeter and how he reacts, whether it's his pump fake or driving. Last night, he had a killer pump fake and drive. Awesome highlight. Might have had two, but I remember the one vividly. And the way that he reacts to them closing out on him on the three-point line is is what I've been watching. And sure, he's almost he's a veteran at this point, so he's had plenty of experience to get used to how teams defend him when he's one of the best three-point shooters in league history by percentage. But maybe in the conversation, Lauren, for best or most fun pump fakes to watch, I know you're a fan of the pump fake when it comes to Korkmaz and others, but that's, I don't know if you can quantify any growth there, but that's what I've liked watching about Seth Curry this season. Yeah, I don't know if anyone quite beats the the, the Korkmaz pump fake sidestep because I, again, have said it many times. That is one of the most underratedly lethal moves in this league. But yes, um, and it's something that they work on. And, and when I think about Seth, I think about how hard he works. Um, we don't always get to watch practice, um, Matt, you and I, as, as members of the media group. But when we do, it's often the end. And when we get in there, Seth is always still out there. He works so hard on his game. And obviously, he's had tremendous role models in his life, in his family, to, to show him exactly how hard you need to work to be as good as he is. But he's been on his own for a while now. And I think a lot of times, Seth... Um, perhaps unfairly some of his his credit that he should be getting for his own game goes to to his family members but Seth is a grown man who's been on his own for a minute and he works his tail off on what he does so for me when I see a player that works as hard as Seth Curry does behind the scenes succeeding on the court a I'm not super surprised but b I'm very excited for them because for some this type of thing athletics in general comes really easy for others like myself it does not and so when I see someone work extremely hard to get something done Tyrese Maxey actually the same way someone that just works his tail off and then when you see those guys be able to convert what they're doing behind the scenes into a game I find that incredibly satisfying so to me Seth Tyrese are guys that are really good examples of, of hard work paying off and we've seen it for both of them at different times this season and that's something Matt that I'd actually be curious to, to hear your thoughts on it feels as though the Sixers haven't all been able to be on their best game at the same time but they've still been able to compete fight and win so what I'm looking most forward to is for Joel and Tobias to be clicking on the same night for Seth and Tyrese to click on the same night for the bench to have the performance that it had on I don't know what day it was. All the days are the same. But in Boston, with the starters having the same performance they had down the stretch against Atlanta. So to me, that's if I'm a Sixers fan, I'm looking forward to seeing how it all starts to come together. It's still so early in the season and there have been promising signs. That's something that I like to track because by the end of the year, the goal would be that everybody can have their best stuff on the same night. And I don't think we've come even close to that. So the potential on the Sixers team, I guess, that ramble, uh, is something really exciting to me. Boston was Wednesday. The bench scored nearly 40 points in that one. Shake Milton and George Niang, who started the Atlanta game, scored the bulk of those points. I think about the team efforts and everyone clicking, a game like last night is encouraging when all five starters score double figures, but... Harris didn't play. 
So you're right. <laughs> and something that I've heard so far a ton, just not just from Sixers, but anywhere you look in professional sports, we've all heard it. Never get too high, never get too low is a common refrain from professional athletes, whether you like that response or not. I think a lot of them take it seriously. And for someone like Tyrese Maxey or whatever it might be, there's going to be plenty more games where they're going to be back to their standout performances. And last night, Tyrese scored in double figures. He didn't have any turnovers. It just wasn't what we were, the, the fans were used to seeing when some of the other players were out where he took on a bigger scoring load. But with Embiid back and some of the other guys still scoring well, Curry with 18 and Niang with 13, it just created better opportunities. That's a point that Sam, the Sixers fan, uh, messaged me. See how his presence created for everyone else, uh, which I think is a, a good point because he said Seth Curry was able to find his spots. And whenever we've heard Seth Curry speak this year, it's when when he has a good look, he expects to make it. Seth, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> when he has a good look, he expects to make it. Um, and he's been doing that a lot this year. So I think that just points to the team effort and Embiid creating some space for everyone else around. This road trip um, continues with Charlotte. We can keep taking questions on Atlanta. We can rehash Charlotte's latest news reports about four players at the last time I checked entering health and safety protocols. We can talk about Lauren, your four coffees that you drank yesterday in Atlanta. We can go really wherever. <laughs> um, it all The coffees all happen so fast. This is traditionally the part of the space where we get a little looser. Something that I would actually add, if you have questions about other things that aren't related to the Sixers, those can also go to the DMs. The Twitter spaces uh, towards the end love getting into, into different territory, coffee territory. Matt Murphy, oh my gosh, I can't believe I didn't even open with this. I totally buried the lead. Um, if you've been here before, you know that I have an affinity Don't for tuna it. melts. I have an affinity for tuna melts. I have not had one yet today. But Matt, my favorite tuna melt in the United States of America is here in Charlotte. And that's what I will be doing after this space. So that's all I'll say for now. Hopefully in a couple days, I'll be able to come on here and review that tuna melt. But this is for me, the tuna melt capital of the United States. And I am so excited. Um, let's let's <laughs> you, dial it back you, in really quick. You have plenty, no, no, go ahead. You have plenty of time. For tuna melts considering that there's two games over the course of a few days you can be a frequent customer basically a week there a little a little less but you have plenty of yeah, time this is an unconventional uh, an unconventionally long stint in a single city um friday through thursday friday through late wednesday um we have two off days the team does today and tomorrow and then of course a game monday off day tuesday game wednesday so this is the longest stint in a single city this season and i would imagine the longest stint that any team is going to have in a single in a single city this season i'm only on my first cup of coffee today maybe that's why i didn't realize that the wi-fi wasn't working maybe that's why we struggled technologically maybe there's some sort of connection between coffee and wi-fi you never know um oh interesting i already have a tuna melt i have a tuna melt take real in quick, my dms real quick I, I can't wait for that how did the four coffees come about yesterday when what time did these occur yeah. So I'm going to be honest. It was, it was accidental. It was coincidental. So I like to wake up in the morning and have coffee before anything happens. Right. So I'll go downstairs in a hotel, grab a cup of coffee, come back to my room, get ready. So I, I got my morning coffee. 
Um, I ended up taking it on, taking it to go actually, uh, got ready for my day, took a walk with that coffee. And then ahead of shoot around, um, shout out to the wonderful Patrick Reese, one of our incredible PR people for the 76ers. Um, he brought me a coffee on the bus. Uh, and then when we got back to the hotel, I met up with a friend. That's what happened. I met up with a friend in Atlanta for coffee. And then I got a pregame coffee. So it, it didn't normally four is, is way too many. I'm aware of that, but it's sort of one thing led to another. There were two sort of socially related coffees and two strategic coffees. So that's how I ended up with four. And I'm going to put everybody out of their misery and stop talking about my coffee right now. <laughs> but shout out to Mike Descano, who's in my DMs telling me that he had a tuna melt yesterday and he forgot how good they are. LOL. I agree. Thank you. If anyone else has a tuna melt in the next couple of days, please let me know. Please send me your reviews. Please send me your recommendations. As I travel the country, I would love to have a tuna melt in every city. That would truly be a dream come true for me. That is a lot of tuna melts. Tuna melts and coffee talk. It's what we do on Sixers Twitter spaces after the morning after Sixers wins. So if you're just tuning in and you're like, what is going on? That is what is going on. I did cut you off to talk coffee before you were going to get to another question. You can message us your questions, you can reply to the tweets, or you can private DM them, uh, and we'll get to as many as we can. But Lauren, you had one on the tip of your tongue. And honestly, message us if you want to hear more about food preferences versus Sixers preferences. Because if all you want to hear is Sixers talk, Matt and I can do that for hours. Don't you worry. But if you want to hear more about different foods in different cities or different types of coffee, or if you want to add your own takes and recommendations i'm all here for it um so please make sure if you're bothered when we do talk about too much sixers or when you're bothered when we too don't bad. talk about enough sixers no i want to know <laughs> I, I mean we're going to decide no matter what but i would like to hear the preferences don't suffer in silence if you're not enjoying tuna melt talk so anyway i wanted to go to a question um, from William. He said, how do we keep Maxi scoring and driving like he was before Joel came back? I think that question is answered within the question. If you're Tyrese Maxi, it's way easier to drive to the hoop with confidence when Joel Embiid isn't standing there. It's something that Doc Rivers has talked a ton about when it comes to growing Tyrese Maxey as a point guard and helping him make the right decisions out there. It's way harder for a young point guard like Tyrese Maxey to confidently drive to the basket or create for himself, which we know he is elite at, when Joel Embiid is out on the floor. Doc Rivers said something really interesting early in the season that anytime Tyrese takes it himself, Joel Embiid is not getting a shot. Tobias Harris is not getting a shot. Seth Curry is not going to be able to pull up from three when Tyrese takes it himself. So that to me is a huge part of Tyrese's growth. And I think we've seen him learning to experiment, learning to find guys, develop chemistry. He wasn't playing with Joel for three weeks. So it makes sense that his numbers were able to rise a little bit. He wasn't deferring as much to the post because Joel was not in the post. I think it's really interesting to see the way that they're going to continue to grow together, but it's a good question and it almost answers itself. Matt Murphy, what do you think about the Tyrese Joel? well pairing and, and how they are going to continue to grow I like what I've seen from both I think it's only a matter of time before it's really clicking again how big really is the sample size of them being full go together but I believe I could be wrong I believe and I would like you to chime in if if he did I think Doc Rivers answered a question about Tyrese post game last night and how they if he didn't, I'm imagining him talking about how he liked how the aggressiveness came back in his drives 
if I if he was talking about a different player, then I saw that from Tyrese Maxey. I thought there were a few drives in the game against Atlanta, which was a thrilling win, that Tyrese looked like start of the season Tyrese Maxey, where he's basically automatic, left side of the cup, mostly right side of the cup, either foot. If he was fouled, all these shots are just going down. And with Embiid, he has options. Maxi does. He he has been a threat from outside this year, and he's he's been shooting the three well. He can beat you with speed to the basket. There's there's just so many different options, and he's so young that I think it's really going to come back to him. And soon, there was one play in the Boston game where it was the, one of the first times this year that I saw Tyrese Maxey kind of hesitate and not take a three. He ended up passing it over to Seth Curry. It was a third quarter play and, and Al Horford blocked Seth Curry. And I just, that's part of this stretch for him right now, but I think it's going to be sooner rather than later that, that Maxey starts shooting those again. And already last night against the Hawks, I thought I saw that same confidence with his drives. So I think it's an interesting point people are making about Embiid being back with him and how his scoring came in bunches when they were the most shorthanded they've been. But I think everything's going to be fine. They both bring so many things to the table and have so many different parts of their game that you can't shut it all down. I'm with you. I think that's astute analysis as always. Here's an interesting question from Mr. Delicious. You guys crack me up. Will Matisse be able to develop an offensive game that become so he can become a more reliable this season? More a reliable, ugh, sorry, a more reliable shooter this season? There we go. We got it, Mr. Delicious. Um, any indication from practices or what teammates or Matisse himself is saying? Um, I actually do have an answer to that question. I think the fact that Matisse shot and kept shooting during that Boston game is a huge indicator of where his game is headed offensively. We've heard Doc Rivers talk quite a bit about the way that Matisse has grown as a cutter, as a slasher. We've seen some really good takes from Matisse to the basket. We don't, we didn't know necessarily that he could get there. He's so athletic. He's so quick, um, but we didn't know he could finish with his left hand. For example, he's really growing in transition. And obviously this team needs Matisse to be able to shoot. So to me, when, when he took five shots, uh, from deep versus the Celtics. And four of them didn't go. The first four didn't go, if I'm not mistaken. And then the final one did. To me, that's a huge indicator of where his confidence is offensively. You ask what his teammates say, what Matisse says. Matisse has said it over and over again in media, that offense is a confidence thing for him. He has confidence on defense. He's talked about the fact that good defense and gaining confidence on defense can create good offense for him. It's honestly the, the the opposite of what you hear from a lot of players. When they're humming offensively, it motivates them to get stops defensively. When Matisse gets stops, he's motivated and confident offensively. Um, and to me, over the course of his career in the first few seasons, if he would miss a couple shots, if he would miss a few shots, he would start deferring more as the game went along. So to me, his performance in Boston was actually really promising um, when you look at answering this exact question because he kept shooting and he works on his game. The shots do fall. We saw a lot of his shots fall as a rookie. We saw a lot of his shots fall 
um, with the Boomers as part of Team Australia this summer at the Olympics. So to me, it's all about continued confidence. And Matt, I'd, I'd be curious your thoughts on this question, but something I would just add before I get to the end of my take is the same goes for Matisse. He spends most of, not most of his minutes, but lots of his minutes out there with starters, with Joel Embiid, with Tobias Harris, with Seth Curry. And so anytime that Matisse takes a shot, as is the case with Tyrese Maxey, one of those all-star caliber offensive players isn't taking a shot. So it takes a lot for a young guy like Matisse or a young guy like Tyrese to decide that, yes, I'm going to take it and I'm going to keep taking it, even if it's not necessarily falling on a given night. So I actually think that that was a promising indicator if you ask for indicators. Matt Murphy, what do you think? I like the point about the Boston attempts. Last night, probably not the best example of Thibel and Korkmaz off the bench in terms of confidence from three or, or the looks they were getting because Matisse only took one and didn't make it and Furkan took one and made it. But that's just kind of how that game went. The only point I'll add is that Korkmaz came in first. You're our, our mm-hmm. bench expert. Uh, Korkmaz, someone <laughs> they've been trying to get going again, did have nine points, made his only three, four of six overall with three rebounds in 17 minutes off the bench still doc rivers said post game that cork Maz and shake milton are guys that they have to get going offensively he praised thibel's defense in the game last night but they went with the offense first last night they sure did it and with matisse it's interesting in games like and i am not a coach so i'm not going to make any assumptions here but he had a tougher assignment last night because Matisse is often used to stop Trey Young. And so when I looked at at, at Furkan coming in first, they, they needed offense before they needed defense because Trey Young didn't have the quickest start um, from, from what we've been able to see from him in the past. So again, a really strong outing from the bench. We've talked about this already on this space. A really strong outing from the bench against Boston. And then last night, because of how well the starters did, they didn't need quite as much productivity from the bench. Minutes slightly down for a lot of the bench players absent Matisse and Shake, who had 24 and 22 minutes last night. So interesting, interesting stuff. And and honestly, when all five of your starters are scoring in double figures, it's usually a pretty good indicator for how the game is going. So any contributions from those guys on the bench are big ones. Um, and and something we haven't talked about is, is how much they all appreciate one another. That was something that came through. Um, especially in media last night. They they do, this is a group that knows their roles. Um, Joel talked about liking all everybody. Joel loves spending time with everybody on this roster. And Joel doesn't, again, shell out compliments too liberally. So when he says something like that, when he gives compliments to a Charles Bassey or an Isaiah Joe or a Matisse Thibel or a Shake Milton or a Furkan Korkmaz, these are guys that, that Joel really sees something in and, and enjoys playing with. Um, He said that he sees himself as an equal to everybody on this roster, despite the fact that he's a multiple time all-star, all defense, all NBA player. And some of these guys are in their first, second and third seasons in the NBA. So really cool to see the way that the team is coming together, gelling together and enjoying one another, despite already seeing a significant amount of adversity this season. Another thing to watch on court and off court chemistry for this team does just continue to grow. George Niang was in the starting lineup last night for the Sixers, one of those five 76ers players to reach double figures scoring. It was a 98-96 win for the Sixers in Atlanta over the Hawks, 2-0 against the Hawks this season. These are always fun to do. They're more fun after a game like last night. If you want to get any questions in, 
at the buzzer. Please continue to DM or reply to the Sixers tweet or tweet to any of us. But Charlotte up next, if you missed the top, health and safety protocols have hit the Charlotte Hornets, who the Sixers are scheduled to play on Monday and Wednesday in Charlotte. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, Jalen McDaniels, and Plumlee as well. So McDaniels, Plumlee, Rozier, and Ball at last check. We'll see what happens with the Charlotte Hornets and how that impacts the upcoming games against the Sixers. But wins like the Hawks win are why we love Twitter spaces. Everyone in here, Lauren, is why we love Twitter spaces. But they're especially fun after games like that. No doubt about it. No doubt about it, Matt. I had another DM from IBM. I think is her handle, Odarte. Um, she said, hi, Lauren, I love the show. Love your life. Want to work in the NBA one day. I love to hear this because it seems as though she's a woman and we need more women in the space. By the way, sh- huge shout out to Beth Moens for calling play-by-play for, the, for an NBA game for the first time on a network broadcast last night. It was really cool to meet her and watch her work last night. Anyway, I digress. She's going to be at the Warriors game. She wants to take a picture. Yes, we can get that done. Section 114, <laughs> row one, telling everybody where she is, telling everybody she's vaccinated. Yes, make sure you send us a message a little bit closer to the time um, <laughs> because we would love to meet you. And happy, happy birthday. I thought we were going to get to a question somewhere, Matt. Um, but that was just a lovely show of positivity. So thank you, IBM. Here is Colin Spike. Oh, I don't. I, I can't. I can't pronounce your last name. I'm sorry, Colin. But let's say this is this is from Spike. Um, first time listener, and I'm loving the content. I live in Wisconsin for work, so I need my daily dose of Philly sports content. And this is Rockstar. Wow, I don't know if I've ever heard Rockstar used as an adjective, but I'm sincerely appreciative. Um, Okay, interesting. I think Looking it's, forward to the off season. I think it's Spiker because Spike and then Spiker. I'm, I'm looking at their profile right now, so I'm going to go help you out, okay. Colin Spiker. There you go. <laughs> okay, so this is a question that I am not ready to answer yet, but I admire you for asking. Um, he's looking forward to the off season. He says a fourth of the way into the season, um, you've got Drummond on a one year deal, Tease, Tyrese, and Shake on team options. Do you think it's critical for the Sixers to bring all of them back? I have no idea how to answer this question, but I mean, uh, here's, here's the thing early in the season. Those are four guys that have, that have already shown how valuable they can be. They've all had shining moments at different times. I think the answer to your question lies in the season ahead. If those guys continue to be as productive as they are here, if I'm in charge, I want them back. And if other teams see them as more valuable, perhaps that's where they end up. I cannot play GM on spaces but I love here's my answer to your question you're not going to like it I love that you're already thinking about it because I can't get there yet I'm just focused on these two games in Charlotte Um, but it is exciting to think about how many young talents along with Drummond who's sort of a young veteran um, this team has has been able to grow when you look at Matisse Tyrese and Shake all of whom have only played within this system Um, cool that they've that they've retained all three of those that they've grown all three of those players and I personally of course hope to see all of them back When it comes to Andre Drummond, earlier in the year, even before the season, there was so much about the call from Doc and how the history between them and everything in their career, how Drummond had talked about playing for Doc one day. And there's been a a, a few stories on it, and there was a lot of quotes. And one of them I remember maybe more recently is Doc Rivers talking about how he, in that conversation with Andre Drummond, to paraphrase 
was sort of like come here for a year and then like prove to everyone that you like you deserve more or a bigger contract or whatever the case might be. So I'm not rushing mm-hmm. Andre Drummond out of here, but I think he came in with a chip on his shoulder when he answered all those questions about how he's only 28 years old, despite being in the league for 10 years. Um, I think this is like a prove it contract for him that he can still perform and maybe his role would be bigger on a different team. So we'll see. But I think that's good that he has that type of motivation that he discussed with Doc Rivers before signing. Again, I just remain floored that anyone is able to look that far into the future. I can't, I don't even know. Well, I was going to say, I don't even know what I'm having for lunch today, but you guys all know I'm lying. I know exactly what I'm having for lunch today. Um, leader of yours truly says really happy that Drummond worked out with the 76ers. I, I, we've talked about it already today. We've talked about it on many of our spaces, but yes, Andre Drummond has played a huge role in, in a few of these Sixers wins. Shout out to Andre for, for the way that he pushed into a second overtime against the Timberwolves. That's going to stand out as one of the best plays of the year for me thus far. And sadly they couldn't have it result in a win or, or it would have been celebrated a little bit more, but we're referring of course to Tyrese Maxey missing his second free throw in intentionally and, and Andre being down there across from Joel to to make sure that he was able to get the tip back in and, and really, really impressive stuff from Andre. It's been a pleasure to watch him work so far. Matt Murphy, do you have any more questions that you want to address? I have one. We hop off? I have Please. one. It's another one from Drew. It kind of relates to how we've closed out this space. You talked about someone wanting to work in sports and you talk about the tip-in from Drummond on the maxi free throw. I was doing that game on the radio, 97.5, the Fanatic, the 76ers radio network. It was a thrill. Drew asked me what has been my favorite part of doing games on the radio. So I want to know the answer to that as well. If anyone who's listening doesn't know, I did five games filling in for Tom McGinnis. It was a a privilege to fill in. Um, He went over to the TV side for a few games in November, as most people are probably aware. But the individual play that I would say is probably that tip in to force a second overtime against Minnesota. The, the intentionally missed free throw. There was just so much nuance to that finish. Minnesota fouled up by three. Maxi with so much poise to miss that. Not how most people miss free throws and brick it off the front or miss the rim entirely and then the whistle blows. But to show that much poise and then touch in execution. Drummond coming in as a sub and then tipping it in to force the second overtime. Sure, would it have been great if they won in the second overtime? Absolutely. But in terms of an individual play that I've called in my career, and I'm, I've am i done Delaware Bluecoats games. This is now my fourth season. I did college basketball before that at Fordham. But that was a play that will stick with me for a long time. And then just from a broader standpoint, when Drew asks my favorite part of doing the games, it's that I'm from South Jersey, born and raised, grew up with this team. And to have the chance to fill in for Tom McGinnis was a dream come true for the team that I grew up rooting for. And to be to, to for two of the games to be in Philadelphia with the crowd all around me at the center, it's a, it's a pinch me type moment when you look down at the court and you're describing the action on the radio for the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a thrill. And for two of the games of the five to be home games in Philadelphia, including that Minnesota double overtime thriller 
definitely a dream come true and something that in the moment you just step back and you you look out at the court and you're like wow this is this is really happening so speaking of the blue coats i will be on the call tonight they have a game against the long island nets so if you want your sixers fill between sixers game days Tune in, Delaware Blue Coats. You can go to the NBA G League website or the Blue Coats website, and there's a YouTube link. You can stream the game live. I'll be alongside D Lineham. Seven o'clock, the Nets G League affiliate will be in Wilmington to take on the Delaware Blue Coats tonight. And that's about as sentimental as I'll get on this here space. Yeah, dang, Matt, that was deep. At some point, I guess I'll have to be I'll have to get vulnerable on Twitter spaces, but that day is not today. That was beautiful, Matt. Thank you for sharing. It's been just awesome to to watch you excel and like you said, sort of live a childhood dream um, over the last few weeks. I will say I'm biased, but you were absolutely excellent. For those of you listening, if you don't follow Matt, please make sure you're doing that because he's so talented and, and more importantly, he's one of the most hard hardest one of the hardest working people um, that I've ever worked with. So it's been a pleasure to watch him grow. And, and I love doing these with you, Matt. I love doing these with you guys. If we didn't get to your questions today, I'm sorry, we will try to do it next time. Um, remember, as always, you can send us questions, comments, anything you want, anytime you want, so that we already have stuff banked at the beginning of the space. I'm at Lauren M. Rosen. Hit the DM. Seriously, I do read them. Um, at Matt underscore and un, oh wow at Matt underscore Murphy oh four wow that was tough that's Matt's handle <laughs> click our little emoticons at the top of the space um, and make sure you send us your questions and thoughts whenever you have them because we have more fun when we're engaging with you guys Matt Murphy unless you have anything else I think I'll leave on the note that we sort of teased earlier Tuna just melts. be on the lookout Tuna melts. I was gonna say <laughs> be on the lookout for for content from George Niang. Um, if you're not following George, he's at George Niang 20 on Twitter. And I believe at George Niang on Instagram, make sure you're following George because you're going to see if you like George and you like the Sixers, you're going to be happy with, with some of the stuff that you're going to see in the next few days. So I will leave it at that. Matt Murphy. Thanks as always. And sorry again for everyone that had to deal with me figuring out the hotel Wi-Fi here in Charlotte. It's all good. Lauren Rosen. Thanks so much. Enjoy Charlotte. We will talk again soon. Thanks to everyone for listening this is sixers twitter spaces we enjoy doing them and look forward to doing it again soon thanks everyone see ya infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 infinity qx80 live march 20th from the edge at hudson yards in new york city Featuring a performance by John Batiste, the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. 
going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.